In life before grief, you probably dealt with some self-limiting thoughts that kept you in your head and overthinking things. In grief, you're going to deal with any self-limiting thought and all doubts that have ever crossed your mind. You're going to struggle with those thoughts more than usual, which will tempt you to find comfort quickly in unhealthy behaviors. Let me go ahead and tell you that finding comfort in those habits, be they old or new, will complicate your life and prolong your grief. Yes, there will be days where you feel extremely weak and taking comfort in those things will make you feel like it's the right thing or the only thing that's going to help in that moment. Grief is hard enough, so don't make life harder on yourself. In this episode, I'm going to talk about some of those habits and three healthy ways to not go to or return to them. Hey friend, welcome to the Grief to Great Day podcast. Do you feel like you're going crazy? Is the shower the only place for you to really cry? Are you surrounded by people, but you still feel all alone? Do you want to be the you you were before your loved one died, but you have no idea how to get there? I'm Steph Cabanis, Southern by choice, wife, turtle triathlete, Jesus follower, and fellow traveler in the journey of grief. I too struggled to breathe, questioned God and my faith, and thought I would never be happy again. But God took my brokenness and he turned it into a breakthrough. So if you're ready to understand how to navigate grief, lean into your faith and take just one step towards healing, then bring your ugly cry, get into a comfortable place, even if that's your bed right now, and let the healing begin. Girl, there's hope for your future. Come on in and join me on the couch. I'm Steph and this is Grief to Great Day. Thank you for being here. I hope you feel welcomed and heard through this podcast. Hello to everyone listening in Pakistan, our spotlight country this week. And what? North Carolina is the state with the most downloads. What has happened here? My NC has showed up and showed out. California, you are right there behind NC. I hope this is a reminder that whatever state or country you're in, you're not alone as you walk through this thing called grief. In life before grief, you probably dealt with some self-limiting thoughts that kept you in your head and overthinking things. In grief, you're going to deal with any self-limiting thought and all doubts that have ever crossed your mind. You'll struggle with those thoughts more than usual right now. And you may also revert to behaviors from long ago, even if the desires were extinguished long ago. Grief will introduce you to you, and the strongest and the weakest versions of you will coexist on a daily basis. That is all normal, crappy grief stuff. But when you dabble or return to bad behaviors, that's when you are creating other problems that may keep you stuck in grief longer. And because everything begins with a thought, this is where you have the strongest chance of turning it around before the thoughts lead to actions. In episode 56, I shared the difference between happiness and joy. That happiness is based on your circumstances and is fleeting. So shopping or an upcoming trip, those are all things that can make you happy for a time. Joy, on the other hand, has nothing to do with your circumstances. 
So when the car breaks down, the kids act up, and people hurt your feelings, your joy does not change. A biblical example would be Job. Thank goodness Job didn't operate solely on emotions and happiness to continue to have joy and to continue to seek God. What I'm sharing today is related to joy and happiness because ultimately, and here's another truth in love alert, ultimately, it is up to you to determine if you will have only happiness living by your emotions or true joy living by the truth of God's word. If you are self-medicating, and what I mean by this is you use something that's not good for you to avoid or dull the pain in those hard moments. These things include excessive alcohol, drug abuse, and that can be prescription or illegal, excessive junk food to the point of gaining a lot of weight, or not eating to the point of losing a lot of weight, or even jumping into new relationships, among many other habits. Please note, I did not say drug use because I'm not speaking about taking prescription medication as prescribed. Before Monica's death, I had lost 90 pounds and I ate only plant-based foods. People at work literally called me a health nut. I think the emphasis was on (laughs) the nut part, but I found freedom in healthy eating and I knew I would never live any other way. However, and y'all know there's always a but, after her death, I began eating junk again and like any other addiction, fell off the health wagon pretty quickly. Anytime I had a bad or a hard day, and let's be honest, in grief, most days are hard or bad in the beginning, but I would feel better with pizza or ice cream and I would eat it while watching television. So it was a wonderful escape that I looked forward to. The healthy lifestyle I worked hard to build now seemed meaningless because I didn't care about my health or much else. I literally said, what does it matter if I eat healthy? We all die anyway. What does it matter if I'm healthy? No one cares. Or what does it matter? I have no purpose. Over time, and because I gained 50 pounds back in that first year after Monica died, I did start trying to eat well, and I would for a while. But when the pressure and stress of life built back up, I went back to my comfort zone. Life was hard, and getting back to being the health nut made life harder. I didn't take pills or drink, but I remember wishing that I was a smoker, so I would have something besides food to turn to. Going after God became what and who I turned to. Going after God turned out to be the foundation I was building for my future. I was hurting so bad, I just wanted relief. But going after God didn't mean that relief came the next day or week or even month. The relief came from the transformation over time. And the transformation came from the hope and faith that God was growing in me as I sought him. Picture a farm, and on a farm you plant seeds and you harvest crops. Now, even if you have no knowledge of sowing and reaping, you know that putting a seed in the ground doesn't result in an ear of corn the next day. No, the seeds must be covered and cared for. They need sun and water, and over time, 
They become seedlings, which break the surface of the ground. Even then, it's not an ear of corn. In grief, the seeds of that hope and faith, they take a while. They need to be covered and cared for. They need sun and water, and they will grow. Not as fast as you want, but they will grow into a strength and a gratitude you never, ever imagined. Flip that and think about the seeds as being bad habits. Drinking, overeating, not eating enough, drug abuse. The seeds are being planted, so what's going to come up from that is not going to be what you want it to be. It's going to be a harder life, and it's going to be stuck on the habits and in grief for longer. Every stinking step of covering and caring for the seeds of your future requires a decision. So here are three ways to deal with the hard moments in grief. These are ways to turn habits around. These are ways to help quiet your mind and to be calm as you continue caring and covering your seeds. Number one, believe it before you see it. Back to the seed example. The seed is in there. It's growing, but it's underground. You can't see it growing, but it's still growing. So in those moments of pain or frustration or whatever negative emotion you have, we tend to not care about much else because now the focus is only on the pain or frustration. Doing something healthy has no meaning, and you might find yourself saying, who cares anyway? So you self-medicate. You will not see the results of your hard work for quite a while. This is the case in life when making these hard changes, and this is certainly the case in grief. The effort of today is not rewarded tomorrow. You are building a foundation, and you have to trust that it will happen before you have the proof. This is Mustard Seed Living 101. <laughs> you need enough faith to take the hard steps when you have no certainty of the result. An easy way to tease the emotion out of the facts is to write down all those thoughts that keep you up, all the thoughts that keep you looking for relief. Write them down. Now, if you're thinking, Steph, there are way too many thoughts because we're women and that's what we do, then just start with five or ten or even the worst three that you can't shut off. Look at that thought individually. Read it and see if it matches what the Bible says about you. This is an easy yes or no. If it does not match what the Bible says about you, then replace it with what the Bible says about you. And when that thought comes back up the next time, I want you to go back and I want you to use what the Bible said to counter it. And you do this over and over and over and over until it becomes your brain's go-to. What you feed grows. Number two, feel the emotion. You can feel the pain of grief. You can feel the grief, but don't pile on all of life's disappointments on top of it. Pity parties land you in the pit and you feel like the only way to feel better is to drink or take drugs or find another relationship or eat junk. 
when you allow yourself to do those things, yes, you're comforted for a minute. But after that hit, and that's kind of what it is, you are taxing yourself physically. You emotionally feel worse, and then you add on feeling like a failure, and back in the pit you go. This cycle sucks. So when some of those other losses or disappointments start piling on top of your grief, nip it. Did y'all ever see Andy Griffin and Barney? Nip it. Picture a big red stop sign. And without any more thinking, change your environment by getting up or going for a walk, calling a friend, or helping someone else. Just interrupt it. Number three, action is required. Now, if what I've said resonates with you and you agree that those things are helpful, why aren't you doing them? This is the most important part right here. See, most times we know what's good for us. We know the apple is better than the cake. But what is it that takes us to the cake? Knowing what's good for us is head knowledge. And head knowledge only results in intentions. What happens between the head knowledge and the action are other sneaky lies we tend to believe. They go like this. I want to, but I can't. I try, but it never works. I can't change it. These, my sweet friend, are lies. They create a sense of victimhood that God never intended for us to live in. But because I, too, have done this many times, I have learned that progress over perfection wins every time. So if you can't bound out of the bed when you're in the pit, maybe you could walk to the living room. If you can't stop yourself from having that drink or eating that thing, throw it out. Don't expect yourself to resist it if it's sitting right there. If you can't make the thought stop, you could counter them with what I shared in number two. I guarantee whatever you can't do, you can find one or two things that you can do. So to recap those three things, one, you have to believe it before you see it. This stuff takes time. Everything takes time and always more time than we think is fair. Number two, feel the emotion of grief and deal with it and only it. Don't pile anything else on top of it. Nip it. Number three, in the moments of saying, I can't do it, act on what you can do. Now, making these changes is not easy, especially in grief. So your journey works, or the work of your journey this week, is to make even one of those three things a new habit. Do even one of them for the next 30 days. It will change your life and you will no longer be looking for the next hit of happiness. Instead, you'll walk in ease and joy and the ups and downs of grief will be less steep. Commit to 30 days of doing one, two, or all three of those things. Commit to doing it when it's hard because that's when it counts and that's when you change things. If you're still struggling to breathe and really can't do any of these right now, think about what you can do. Can you reach out to a friend or family member and ask for help? Can you get out of your house and go for a walk? Can you pray? Can you read? 
Can you watch a sermon or a Christian song video? Find something you can do and then do it. And here are other ways to help you move forward. Join the private Facebook group. Over 100 members strong now, you will feel welcomed and supported by faith-filled Christian women walking out the hardest times of their lives. And they walk it out with that mustard seed. And the difference that mustard seed makes is incredible. This group provides a place where other Christian women get it and can support you in a way those around you may not be able to. Purchase the What to Do After the Loss of a Loved One workshop. The workshop addresses a lot of what I talked about today as well, and it's a perfect time to take it. This is not a one-day workshop. I really recommend it's taken over four weeks because it's broken into four sections like a mini support program. It will give you direction and action steps towards healing that will make a difference. This is what you need in your first year or even if you feel stuck and it will help strengthen you through this holiday season coming up. If you don't have a church home, visit my church, opendoorchurch.com. Links to everything you need are in the show notes. In the meantime, remember who holds your future. You have one. Also know that you are not alone and keep on coming back to the house, keep sitting on the couch and keep taking those steps, however small, slow or unseen towards your healing. Thank you for being here today, for showing up. If this podcast has given you hope, encouragement or helped you in any way, share it with a friend, either in a text or on your social platforms. Also, please subscribe, rate, and leave a written review on iTunes. It's a huge blessing for me to know that you're out there. Lastly, and this is important, you are not alone. Connect with me on the Grief to Great Day website, the link is below, and sign up for our free newsletters. I want to be able to pray for you by name. Remember, grief isn't something you're going to get over, but a great day is something you can get to.